Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are in week number two of our series, It's Complicated. Um, And in this series for the month of February, since it's like the month of love, you know, we thought we should dive into what does it take for us to live um, and have relationships God's way, for us to to dive into our relationships and do things um, God's way. Because uh, one thing that we know about relationships is that they're complicated. They can get complex if you've, if you've ever had one, which some of us, you know, if you had a relationship, it doesn't even have to be romantic. It can just be a friendship, a platonic friendship. But if, if you've had one of those, even you know that the, the, it doesn't take very long for it to get real complicated, real complex. And it can especially be tough to navigate those when we start trying to play by our own rules with them. And so um, our... our uh, series verse this morning comes out of Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9, and it says this, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, God's way of doing things is always better than our way of doing things. The way that God thinks about things and the way that God structures things and, and designs things is so much better than when we try to take it on ourselves and do it our own way. Um, in fact, our, uh, ser- our little thesis, we don't really have these a lot, but our little thesis for this series says this, that in order for relationships, relationships to work, we have to let the one who designed them define them. If you want to put a table together from Ikea, uh, there was somebody that created that instruction book and said, this is the way to successfully put this Ikea table together. And it's the same thing with our relationships. There is someone who created the, uh, the, the thing, whatever it's called, of a relationship. God has created relationships, and he's given us a guide um, for how we're supposed to handle them. And so we want to live by his ways instead of our own. We want to let the one who designed them define them. Guys, newsflash, if you didn't know, uh, all the dudes in the room, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, all right? And I sure hope you got something because I've been looking around these stores, not because I'm getting anything, but I've been looking around these stores and they're cleaned out. So, uh, guys, um, you may have to get real crafty and innovative this year, but I just wanted to let you guys know, okay? So you can thank me later because I know there's somebody out there that forgot. Or when I first wrote this, (laughs) really funny story, when I first was writing this, I I typed, guys, Valentine's Day is Tuesday, (laughs) It's not Tuesday. I almost trapped myself with that one. It would have been really terrible. And I was bringing everybody down with me, too. Um, so, in fact, here, right here in my notes, I said, uh, I figured since Tuesday is the big day. No, it's tomorrow, guys, tomorrow. Uh, since tomorrow is that big day of love, let's start today off with just some of, I just looked up some good pickup lines online. Is that okay? Like, we can just, we'll just do some pickup lines this morning. Um, here's one. Uh, are you French? Because I fool for you. Take a second. Yeah. I listen. Don't boo me up here. You guys have used some worse ones. You know, you've been at the club trying to get that girl hollering in her ear something stupid. 
Um, how about this? Uh, do you like raisins? How do you feel about a date? Um, if you were a transformer, you'd be Optimus Fine. Yeah. Um, I'd like to take you to the movies, that, but they don't let you bring in your own snacks. Yes. I didn't write these, but I wish I did, baby. Man, these are good. Um, is your name Google? Because you have everything I'm searching for. Come on, y'all. I hope you're taking notes on that. Go back and watch the podcast. You can use this on Valentine's Day next year because everybody's forgotten by then. All right? It'll be great. So let's jump in uh, this morning. Our text is out of Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. And Jesus says this. He said, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, he said. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. See, when Jesus was saying this, he was saying it in response to something that the Pharisees were asking him. They were asking him, is it okay for me to divorce my wife for just for any reason? Because that's what they knew from the law. Like basically the man had full control and if, if, if something were to happen in the relationship, they could just write a piece of paper because that's how they used to divorce back then. They'd take that piece of paper and then marriage over. Um, but they, would just, they said, is it okay for me to divorce my wife for any reason? And Jesus responds this to them. That God has joined together man and wife, and no one should separate that union that is joined together by God. And the act of marriage is more than just a piece of paper that's recognized in the eyes of the government. Okay, let's just go ahead and clear the room with that. Marriage is more than just a paper. Um, Marriage is a sacred bond that unites two people. It takes two people, and it spiritually unites them as one. There's a deeper meaning to our marriage than what we're um, thinking. And so we live in a world, though, where marriage is really treated just as a disposable thing. That um, when it gets old, when it gets stagnant, when it gets boring, you can just toss it away and start fresh. In fact, the divorce rate in America in 2019 was 44%. That means that almost one out of every two marriages ended in divorce. And you know, uh, in in the church, Christians weren't any better. They were right around the same number. One in every two marriages would end up in divorce because in today's culture, marriages have become disposable. Now let me say this. Okay, if you're in the room, if you're listening uh, to this message later maybe and you've been divorced Let me just, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? And let me say this, this church is not condemning you at all. There's there's so many reasons that people have gone through divorce, and we're not looking at that today. We're not looking at, was your divorce worth it, or was was your divorce needed, or, or anything like that. And I don't want you to come in and feel like I'm preaching down to you or preaching at you, um, because I know people that have been divorced before, and they're in wonderful marriages now. Um, I know people that have been divorced, and they're single now, but they're still living a great life. So I'm not preaching at you today, but if you've been divorced, um, you know, you honestly know more than anyone. You know better than anyone the physical, mental, and emotional toll that it can take on someone. 
And, uh, and I want to say, we're here for you. If that's you and you're still you know, wounded in your heart, we're here for you as a church. God doesn't judge you as worse for it. In fact, God wants you to come to him for healing so that you can be whole again, so that you can live the life that he's always meant for you to live. You can leave the baggage behind and step into everything that, that um, God wants you. Now, when I say leave the baggage behind, um, wives, I don't mean leave your husband, okay? Don't, don't do it. It's okay, you could laugh there. Um, so... Uh, I'll tell you, though, why, why marriages get attacked so heavily. Because you have an enemy. I don't know if you've been told this before or not, but you have an enemy. There is an enemy that is after your soul, and his name is Satan, and he hates marriage. And he hates marriage because of what marriage stands for. Not because he hates you, but because he hates everything that you stand for. Um, marriage is meant to be an earthly expression of the unity that we're supposed to have with God. That's the whole meaning of marriage. And a healthy marriage is the closest thing on this earth to our relationship with Jesus. A healthy marriage is supposed to model the way of our relationship with God is supposed to represent that. And because of that, the devil is going to do everything that he can do to destroy it. Because he wants to destroy every image of God on this earth that he can possibly do. If he can make marriage ugly and painful for you, it'll be that much easier to make you doubt the goodness of God. So he wants to destroy these marriages. Um, and now, see, no one gets out of divorce unscathed. There's always wounds, right? I'll... I'll tell you like this. If I had, um, Jesus said when, when two people are married, they're no longer two, but they're one flesh. Uh, Cassie likes to joke when it's my birthday that she should get a present also because she said, You're, hey, we're not two anymore. Now we're one, so my birthday is your birthday. But it's funny how on her birthday I don't get to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's terrible. But uh, when, when two people become one flesh, um, it's like as if I took um, two pieces of paper and I super glued them together and I stuck them and they're bound to each other. Um, some might say that they're stuck. You might be in a relationship today. You're stuck. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, so the, but these two pieces of paper, they get fused together in this process. You put super glue on it. Um, maybe you put some flex seal. I don't know. Just whatever it takes. You, you stick them together and they get fused together, right? And now what happens when you try to separate these two pieces of paper? Are they ever going to be the same pieces of paper that they were before? No, they're not. They're, they're, there's, there's pieces that are going to come off. When, when you try to pull them apart, it's impossible to pull these two pieces of paper apart and for both of them to not be damaged in the process. And that's just the same visual that I'm trying to give you of what divorce has the effects of in your life. Now, the good news is that God is a healer, God is a restorer, and so just because you've, if you've gone through that and you've been pulled and you've been damaged... God is the one that you get to run to, and he wants to heal you. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to put your paper back together in an even better way. Um, and so that's the, this picture of divorce, and it's what happens to you mentally, emotionally, spiritually when you choose to separate from your husband or your wife. Um, you say, geez, my, Pastor Michael, you're trying to make me feel bad. 
um, I've been divorced, I promise you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, okay? I just want to make sure that we understand that um, when we make this decision to unite in marriage, it isn't just a disposable tool that we get to throw away. It's something that unites us forever. We don't get to cast it out when my feelings get hurt or when I get offended. Jesus said, no, you can't throw your marriage away for any old reason. The, the Pharisees were like, hey, uh, if, if she makes me mad, can I just throw her out? And, and Jesus said, no, you can't throw your marriage away for just any reason. In fact, there are, um, there are very few reasons spiritually that divorce is permissible in the Bible. In fact, there's, there's two that I can find. If, if someone has been unfaithful or if someone is being physically or emotionally abused. We just don't say hang out in your, in your marriage, guys. If you're, if you're being abused in any way, don't hang out in your marriage, okay? I just want to go ahead and put that out there. And, uh, and those are the only two times, though, in Scripture where you see that divorce is acceptable. So, when we make this decision to get married, we're making this decision to leave behind our solo life and to join my life to another person, not to be separated anymore. What if I've been divorced, though? Is it too late? No, that just means that now is the best time to get a fresh start. Now you can start all over again. And uh, some of you today might actually be sitting here contemplating divorce now. It might be something that you've been fighting maybe with your spouse for the past two years, um, and you just can't take it anymore. You're like, COVID is about to, either it's going to kill me or it's going to kill him. You know what I mean? Or her, I guess. But it's mostly the guys. Um, but maybe you've, maybe you've made plans to leave. Here's what I want to encourage you today. Let me urge you this. For just the next 20 minutes, set that aside. Listen to what God has to say. And commit that you're going to receive this with an open heart. Untainted. Because it's no coincidence that you're here today. I think that God has something that he wants to speak to you. And just like we said last week, he's, he's not brought you here to call you out. He's brought you here to set you free. And so, um, three things that I want to highlight today about marriage. Um, and if, if you'll make these decisions, there's three decisions that we make when we commit to this. If you make these three decisions, I promise you, your marriage is going to be better. Okay, I'm going to give you some life hacks today. So when you make the decision to get united in marriage, to become one with your spouse, you're making the decision to, number one, commit to covenant. Commit to covenant. See, commitment's an interesting word because usually when we make commitments in life, um, it, it is something that requires us to commit because it's something that we don't want to do. So like I, we make a commitment to the gym because you just don't want to do it. Like my, my favorite time about the gym is when I'm leaving. You guys know what I mean? Like when I'm out of there, that's my favorite time. But when you make a commitment, um, commitment makes the assumption that there are going to be days when you really don't like what you're doing. And I don't believe that you can have a good relationship with your spouse or really any relationship, period, until you make a commitment to it, meaning that you're going to do it no matter how you feel, whether it's feeling good that day, feeling bad that day, you've made a commitment. You can't, I'll say this, you can't have a great marriage until you throw the option of divorce out. It can't be an option, as if you want to have a great marriage anyway, it just can't be an option. Um, you'll never know the true power of a relationship 
until you have that certain level of safety in your relationship that no matter what you do, uh, that, that other person's not going anywhere. No matter what you do, like you have this safety that says, you know what, we can, we can mess up, we can fail in our relationship. You're never going to have this healthy relationship until you realize uh, this le- that you have this level of safety that says, I can mess up, they can mess up, but both of us know we're not going anywhere. We're just, we'll make up, you know, later. Married people know what's going on in the room. But you just, uh, you'll get it later. Um, but uh, we, we talk about commitment, and you're like, yeah, that's great, but what does that weird word covenant mean? Because we don't really talk in, in this word covenant. It's not really a, a word that we use today. A covenant is the biblical word for promise. Okay, covenant is just a biblical word for promise. God made a covenant with man. He made a promise, but a covenant is a promise that you're held to spiritually. And so we don't really use this word in our day-to-day lives anymore. You might hear it sometimes in church, but um, I want to show you in Genesis chapter 9, this is one of the first times where God actually said, I'm establishing a covenant. He said, I'll establish my covenant with you. He's talking to Noah, and this is out of Genesis chapter 9. I'll establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. It's felt like it before. Like just last year, it felt like it was done for. But he said, never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And then God gave a rainbow as a reminder of his covenant. See, in today's world, we're contract driven. We're this written legal document that you sign that you make sure that you're going to be protected in this transaction, right? There were, we're contract dri- driven. We have lawyers on lawyers and insurance on insurance and backup plan on backup plan because we can't keep our promises to one another. And so we have to have contracts. We're always on the lookout for who's out to get me and how do I protect myself? So we sign contracts. But in biblical times, in times where you see God relating to humanity... His word was not contract. His word was covenant. And it has a deeper meaning. See, contract is based on mutual distrust. But covenant is based on mutual commitment. Contract is uh, protects my rights and shirks my responsibility. But covenant surrenders my rights and assumes responsibility. Contract has my personal convenience in mind. And covenant has the interest of others in mind. See, marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. And you made this covenant when you said your vows to one another. In for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness, and in health. Every time that I'm performing a marriage, I always like to remind the couples after they say their vows, you know that you just committed to worse, to poorer, and to sicker. Like, you just made that commitment. This is your last chance to back out because you just committed to worse, to poorer, to sicker. And I want to make them understand that they've, they've committed to this covenant no matter what things look like because marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. That's our first decision that we can make that we need to commit to covenant. Number two, you got to prioritize each other. Prioritize each other. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 says, For this reason, 
A man will leave his father and be united to his wife, and the, one, and the two will become one flesh. You're like, wait, I thought we already read that verse. This is another verse that says it exactly the same way. There's three places in the Bible that is quoted the exact same way. You can find it in Genesis. You can find it where Jesus said it in the Gospels. And then you can find it here again where Paul writes it in the book of Ephesians. So that must mean that God really wants us to get this. That man would leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and united as one flesh. But you have to prioritize your spouse before anything else because you're one. You've got to prioritize your spouse. That means mom, dad, sister, brother, best friends, the boys, the girls. Let's get real crazy. Your spouse should be prioritized over your children. That's the way that it's meant to be. I said it. Hashtag no regrets. Said what I said. Aside from your relationship with Jesus, though, you should be completely and wholly dedicated to your spouse. And that means you serve them first. You love them first. You communicate with them first. I'm going to ruffle some feathers, okay, because I love you. Um, you guys know that. I love you. Okay, you're like, wait a second, I've been here before. No, it's okay. But there are too many relationships when you have a problem with your spouse and you run to your friends or you run to your parents before you go to your spouse. And as long as you continue to do that, your relationship is going to continue to struggle. you got to go to your spouse first, even with the hard stuff. Now, don't, like, abandon um, your, like, mom or your friends or anything like that. Don't abandon them. They can be like, you know, you can talk to them about your issues too. But go to your spouse first. The principle here is that your priority has to be shifted. See, you used to depend on your parents. You used to depend on your friends. And God says that now you're supposed to shift your dependence to your spouse. If you're having issues and you run anywhere First, other than Jesus and your spouse, you're prioritizing the wrong people. And this is how affairs happen. Okay? Like, this is how people cheat on other people. The, the one coworker that's there for you. You know what I mean? Like, the one coworker, you can talk to me, you really connect with them, but you're just friends, right? You're just friends. And you start sharing more information with them than they really need to know and need to hear. You start complaining about your spouse and your home life. And they're just taking it all in. And they're so amazing because they're there for you. They're so amazing because they're listening to you. And you just have this connection. And eventually, you start seeing something in them because they're starting to give you the love that you crave so desperately from your spouse and the attention that you crave from your spouse. And so you end up making mistakes that you can't undo. This is the danger of prioritizing anybody above your spouse because you're making connections with them that aren't meant to be made with them. And so it, it doesn't have to be a person, though. Like it, I know so many people that prioritize things over their spouse. Like, I know Super Bowl Sunday, I know men that prioritize the big game over their wife. Um, I know uh, people that prioritize their career over their spouse, Guys, I know pastors that have prioritized their church over their spouse. And you know what? Not one of them's married anymore. And not one of them has a church anymore. Because they got their priorities 
out of whack. People lose everything when their priorities are in the wrong place. But when you start placing your your priority on your spouse, you're going to see that your marriage starts to shift from bad to good. When you start prioritizing your spouse, it's going to shift. It might take some time, but I promise that it's going to prove to be true because um, it's going to be an amazing day when you fight to put your spouse first. When both of you are fighting to put the other one first, it's wonderful because you never have to worry about anything. Like you're trying to give them uh, the best for them. They're trying to give you the best for you and you've got to fight over who's going to let, who's going to give in and let the other one do good for them. So it's, it, it's just a great day. So here, here's what I can challenge you with. Spouses, husbands, wives, start going to that restaurant that you might hate but they might love. Find something on the menu, like eat a salad or something. Like I'm not calling you fat. I'm just saying, <laughs> I need to eat a salad. <laughs> Sorry, that's not even in my notes. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> it just came out. Eat a salad, y'all. That was God saying it to me, is what was happening in that moment. Got it. Throwing out those cookies when I get home. Um, but go to that restaurant that you might hate, but they might love. Start doing things that you don't necessarily enjoy, but it refreshes them. Guys, I hate hiking, like, with a passion. If it's going to require energy from me, I'm going to try to put it to something else. But, but Cassie loves to go hiking, and so what do I do? I don't do it enough, obviously, but I'm going to go hiking with her. Because I'm trying to prioritize the things that she loves and refreshes her. Because it's not just about me. Start making decisions that put your spouse as number one in your life. And watch the health of your relationship. Because I promise it will get better. It will get better. And then finally, number three. got to shift from me to we. From me to we. You've got to make this shift Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this. Now the Lord God said, It is not good or beneficial for man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him and a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. It's out of the Amplified Version. See, when you, when you get married, you've got to shift your perspective from me to we. God brought you together because there are things in this life that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do it together, and your spouse is supposed to be there to balance you out. See, uh, I'm, I'm way too trusting of people. That's just my personality. I'm going to, like the way that I live life is that trust is given, mistrust is earned. You know what I mean? Like I'm optimistic. I'm just, I trust people. And Cassie's like, let's, I'm jumping in full bore no matter what it is. I'm like, yeah, these people are awesome. She's like, let's give them like a couple weeks. (laughs) Let's get to know them. Um, You know, don't like, don't be their godfather yet. (laughs) Like you just met them. And so I'm jumping in, but she's balancing me out. Because I, I love to tell people that um, Cassie is the wisdom to my zeal. Like as I'm jumping in, she's holding me back. So when you get married, you have to shift your perspective because it's now supposed to be a team. Your spouse is supposed to balance you out. See, this is it's really funny because there are days when, when I'm really low, 
believe it or not, I got those days too, when I'm really low, and Cassie pulls me back up. And there are days when she's really low, and I pull her back up. And we don't talk about the days that we're both really bad off. (laughs) We don't talk about those days. But why, though? Because that's what a team does. If someone is having a tough time, you work harder to pick up the slack. Not out of selfishness or bitterness, but because you're a team and you want the team to win. Marriage is a team. Marriage is a partnership. Nobody rules over the other one, but you always work together on everything. Someone told me before that marriage isn't 50-50. Marriage has to be 100-100, or it just won't work. Both spouses giving everything that they have trying to take on the world together. We have to shift from me to we. You made a covenant. Many times there's undue stress that's placed on your relationship because you don't feel like your partner is bringing enough to the table. Or maybe you don't feel like you're bringing enough. Maybe you don't feel like you're supplying financially the way that you need to. And I was having a, I was having a conversation with my friend the other day, and he's, he's looking to plant a church in, in the area, and his wife has this really great job. And so they're thinking about just letting her income support the family so that he can devote his time and energy into building and leading his uh, healthy church. And he said that he was struggling because he feels like he's not contributing enough financially. And I tried to help him reframe his perspective and maybe I can help you reframe yours. See, when you get married, you can't continue to say, well, they earn this and I earn this. You've got to shift your perspective to we earn this. Life is a combination of different seasons. It's, there's going to be times where you earn more. There's going to be times where they earn more. You might lose your job. You might get a promotion. There's going to be seasons that are different. And no matter what it is, it can never be, well, I earned this much and they earned this. It has to be, we earned this. We have this. We did this. Guys, and this is a, this is a reason why I'm such a big advocate of not having two separate bank accounts. I know some of you guys disagree with me. That's okay. Send me your upset emails later. Don't, don't catch me after service. Don't throw them hands. But think about it. And I get it. You've been hurt. Other people have caused you to have your trust damaged. You might be scared. Maybe your parents did it. They lived that way their whole lives and they're just, they just turned out fine. And this is what I would just say to it. Why would you want to start your marriage with the separation? Right? So like if you're if if you jump into your marriage and like you're you're splitting bank accounts, right? Like you take these bills, I'll take these bills. You're communicating to your spouse, hey, I'm gonna trust you with my heart, but I'm not gonna trust you with my bank account. I'm gonna trust you with my most precious thing, but this disposable income, I'm just not gonna trust you with that. You can rationalize it, you can reason it out, but it's always going to cause some sort of separation. And you might make it work, you might, but I I don't personally just want to make it work. 
Like, I want my marriage to thrive. And I'm not saying your marriage can't thrive without two separate bank accounts, but why, why try to thrive with any kind of separation? Like, you're united, you're one. And you know what? This isn't just money. Guys, this is energy. This is the calendar, it's scheduling, it's your time. Cassie and I have this shared calendar that we always um, update together so that we can make sure that our week is in sync with each other. We have a family calendar that we always add things to so we can make sure we're in sync because we shifted from me to we. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Cassie and I, since we, since we got married, we've only ever had one car. Like, we just have one car. We don't have two. We don't feel like paying another car payment. He said, well, how, how do you make that work? We both, you know, she works here, you work here, you go here, she doesn't go there. How do you make it work? Because we made this commitment that it's not me, it's we. We can make one car work because we made, made this commitment that we, we, we did not want to have her life and my life. We wanted to build our life together. And God has blessed us in that. We, we told him, we want, we want to make it work, God. We just want one car. And God has blessed our schedules. He's blessed our jobs. He's blessed things to make it work to where we never have to, we don't have to have a second car. Now, that's my personal thing. That's not what I'm saying, go sell your car, and um, I'm not telling you to do that. But what I'm saying is, the principle, principle behind this is, what do you have to do in order to break down that barrier? that you can become the team that you need to be. Time, energy, finances, whatever it is, in order to have a thriving marriage, you've got to shift from me to we. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.